this is unstructured hey everybody today i have the infamous or notorious brandon wood of gearist.com brandon and i kind of have a interesting path to how we met and it turns out that i happen to live about five blocks from his house or at least his parents house growing up so brandon runs gearist he does product reviews with a pretty heavy emphasis on shoes i'd say you do shoes more than anything correct that's that's fair yeah now what brought you into doing gearist well <clears throat> um it's kind of a weird and convoluted story um so oh, by the way hi everybody hi um <laughs> in 2000 so when i was um in my previous life the what i went to school for and then what i did for 10 years i was an opera singer true story and then i got uh when i was singing you know i started to let's just say uh look a little more like your stereotypical opera singer which is not always a great thing and so I was like, well, I, I can't, swimming is kind of my first jam when it comes to athletics and I couldn't swim all the time, you know, cause being in a hotel pool, if you're like a legit swimmer is not possible. And so, uh, running became the kind of easiest thing. And so, um, in 2007, I was watching the New York city marathon with my, my best friend, Bobby, he, he lives in LA and at the time, uh, I was in New York. And so we're watching this kind of on the television coverage and, you know, how every single marathon or Ironman or anything like that, apart from you're looking at the race, they do those human interest things, right? They're mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, look at this person with like no pinky toes running the marathon. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, we were watching it and we both got all inspired. We were like, Oh man, I can't wait to do this because then we decided we were going to run the New York city marathon. Well, if you know anything, not you, Eric, cause I know you do, but general public out there, um, if you know anything about the New York City Marathon, uh, then you know that it's not just as simple as, you know, picking up a pen and paper and filling out an entry form because there are around 100,000 people that enter mm -hmm. and only about 60,000 or so spots. Right. And so unless you are one of the faster people and for those who think Boston Marathon is hard to qualify for, New York City Marathon is even harder to qualify for. But um you know, you can qualify with a half or a full, but it has to be like screaming fast. Um, I think mm -hmm. I want to say the men's open qualify time is like a two forty five or something like that. Um, and so we figured that out rapidly. Um, and you know, kind of, we went on to do different races, uh, for our first marathons. And I, I really didn't consider myself a runner at that point, but, um, I decided I was going to run and do this marathon because I figured that by sheer force of will, if nothing else, I could force myself to be a runner so I started a uh, blog, which was just me talking to me about me. It was simply meant to be a journal. That's mm -hmm. it. I didn't expect anyone else to check it out. And then, and it was about my training, you know, about me kind of learning about. What was uh, it called? Uh, Brandon's Marathon. Okay. Very clever. Very little on the nose. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and uh, Bobby. My, yeah, exactly. And Bobby, my best friend, he started Bobby's Marathon, which no longer exists. Neither one of these existing longer. Um, and so, excuse my sniffles. Um, I 
I started this and it went for a couple of weeks and then I was like, man, typing sucks. I'm going to start talking. So <laughs> um, I knew how to podcast. I knew the mechanics of podcasting. And because Bobby, that same friend and I, we had a podcast way back. I want to say like 2005 or six. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And we were called the master debaters because we think we're clever. <laughs> <laughs> and we would find funny or interesting news stories or things like that. And we would talk about them and debate them. And it was fun. Um, and we actually did, it did quite well back in the day. And then we, um, so I knew the mechanics of podcasting it kind of pod faded after about 15 or 20 episodes or so. And so at some point, um, I, I, I was like, again, typing sucks. Let me record. So again, it's just me talking to me about me. It wasn't meant for anybody but me, mm-hmm. but uh, as I went on, I was like, wow, people are starting to listen, you know? Uh, and so I was like, I should probably figure out what feed burner is and all this kind of stuff. And so I start <laughs> routing the feed through everything else and kind of doing it the right way. And then all of a sudden people really start to listen. So sometime in, um, I'll, I'll come back to that in mm-hmm. 2008, I got my first pair because 2008 in about August, I'd read an article in the New York times um, I forget who wrote it. I think it may have been Chris McDougal prior to the release of Born to Run. Mm-hmm. And this was an interview with a guy named Micah True. Now, if you're a runner at mm-hmm. all and you've been in that world in the past the cab- decade and Caballo half, Blanco. Caballo Blanco. That is who that is. Micah True. He's this kind of like hippy dippy guy who is exactly as true was, exactly a stream of consciousness as you think he would be by reading the book. This was an article or a, a just kind of a interview with him in the New York Times. And and he was doing his his thing, which at the time seems a little bit like shtick because it was like, yeah, man, you know, you just go run free and easy. And and what that oftentimes turns into is, you know, you're up on that forefoot. Da, 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 da. And I was like, huh, because the block that I was having in running at this time was that when I hit six miles or so, my knees would start to go, dude, dude, that's enough. We give up. Sit down. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get past that. But you can't when you when it comes to biomechanics, you you can survive a race or something by attrition, but when it comes to biomechanics, you can't overcome bad mechanics simply with sheer force of will. It just doesn't happen. You can try, but you're going to hurt yourself in the long run, and I didn't want to do that. So you were running so I, poorly then? Um, I'm my form was striking. bad. Um, I, I honestly have no recollection. Um, I, I would imagine, yes, but I think more than heel striking was overstriding, mm, okay. um, which is which, in my opinion, is the problem with nine out of 10 runners um, who have biomechanical issues because they, they think that what part of your foot hits the ground first matters and it does not, it is not important. And we can talk about that later. Um, So I I'm watching it. I read this article. I'm like, man, that sounds really interesting. I do a little more digging and I come across this brand um, out of Colorado called Newton running. (laughs) <laughs> and Newton uh, built this shoe and you can go to their website if you want. I'm not going to plug them any more than that. They built this shoe that um, basically enha- not it, it both enhanced and encouraged running with a more full footed landing, full foot gait. Some would say very extremely forefoot, but that's, that's a much longer, more in-depth conversation about running technique. But anyway, Christmas or for my birthday, which is December 2nd. So right before Christmas, 2008, I got my first pair of Newtons because they were even at the time, $175. And this is a decade ago. <laughs> now to people um, who are listening, you have to understand this is typical runner behavior. We tend to gravitate towards the next technological 
item that may or may not help us perform better or run better. So I would almost say this probably led into Gearus early on. Well, it sort of did. And, and what was interesting is that, so for that company, their product wasn't just a shoe. Now today, their product is just a shoe mm-hmm. because they have completely eschewed, no pun intended, um, <laughs> <laughs> they have completely eschewed education. But at the time, running technique and form and education, teaching people how to, it's it's one thing for me to go, Eric, you should land like this and be doing this, this and this. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you apply it. I've just given you information. But then when we sit there and we actually learn about it and we take a really in-depth look at the biomechanics of the why and the wherefores and the hows and all this stuff, that's when we really start to learn. And so to me, their technique and their education piece was as much, if not more important, a piece of their product line as their shoes were. Now, again, today, the education piece is non-existent. In, well, it's in a, their, a lifestyle, too. I mean, they were almost a, of, a, yeah. of a piece. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very part and parcel. Um, and so I started running with this technique and and at first I was I was overstriding and landing on my forefoot and all this stuff. I went ahead and did my first marathon in uh March of 2009, which is a Shamrock Marathon, which was that your first era? That was my sure? first. Yeah. Yes. Shamrock Marathon in 2009. My PR. And too. nice. Um <laughs> And I, I still want revenge on that race. And it went okay, but I had some severe IT band issues because I wasn't looking at the technique too much. And I had a crossover gate, which for those of you listening who don't know what that is, it's basically where one foot lands directly in front of the other one rather than having space between your legs. Um, and the more you get into that way, the more you pull your knee kind of in the center line of your body, you're pulling your iliotibial band, which goes from the iliac crest on the hip down into the tibial plateau in your knee. And you pull that across you, that it band, as it's called, the iliotibial band will rub up against the knee or the hip and cause like ice pick in your leg type of pain. It's ridiculous. It won't actually do anything. I don't really even think you can damage anything significantly, but it feels like somebody just shot you in the leg. Yeah, it's like horrible. a bunch. I, awesome. I have that bad form too. At points, I actually have swelling on my shins. From, oh, really? Yeah, from, from IT the, band? No, the crossover. Oh, from the crossover. Yeah. Because it can, it, it, it evolves into all kinds of crossover gait syndrome, which will have you landing in a certain way. You're, you get that uh, anterior tibialis starts to separate from the tibia. You get shin splints like crazy. It's a whole thing. So at some point in there, I signed up for my first Ironman, which was going to be Ironman Wisconsin in 2009. And I did my first Ironman, Ironman Wisconsin 2009. And at that point, the show, my podcast had grown. People were really listening. And it became Iron Brandon then. Exactly. Exactly. Again, a little on the nose. um, And I'm sure somebody at Ironman was going, we should sue this dude, but they can't. And they try, they, there were a bunch of people. There's a guy named Ironman Bobby who had a blog and they sent him a cease and desist. But because I didn't say Iron Man. No, you said Iron. forward. Exactly. Because and so Iron anyway. distance too. Exactly. Which you can't really have a, I don't think you can have a, a trademark on, but. It's metal. Copyright. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's metal as hell. Um, so um, by this point, people were paying attention. And a lot of listeners and I had media companies that would start to send me stuff. I think my first, <laughs> the first thing that I ever got sent to me, and this is in 2008 or nine. And I about lost my, my, is this a family friendly podcast or can I curse? I, I can explicit it. Okay. No, it's okay. I'll just keep it clean. I about lost my mind. Let's just say. 
And uh, was this, you remember the old school, like circa 1980 headband, like Starsky and Hutch, like the oh, sweatband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The elastified, like kind of Terry Cloth sweatband, right? Striped? Like no. Mark and Mindy style? It was this awful <laughs> color of blue, which was like, it was just terrible. It, anyway, what these people had done is they had taken and they were like, oh, it's this high tech fabric. I was like, it's not high tech, man. It's <laughs> Terry cloth. It's, it's Terry cloth. It was, you know, anyway. So those things, if you pick them up, they're kind of tubular, right? With the seam on the one side and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And so they had taken and cut a, this is before Bluetooth or at least before the wide dissemination, dissemination of Bluetooth, they had cut a hole right at the back, right? Or, I mean, it's a circle. So wherever the back is, they had cut right. a hole and they had taken these, I mean, I guess they're headphones, but they were more like, um, yeah, they were headphones, but Your, they were like flat panel headphones. Oh, okay. I see. And they had run a wire up the back into that <laughs> hole. And then down each side was this, speaker essentially headphone that would right. sit on your ear so not only are you wearing a sweatband looking like a tremendous dill hole <laughs> but you're wearing it wrong because it's over your ears <laughs> now this company went nowhere but i was like oh my god somebody's sending me something for free holy <laughs> crap and then i think crocs sent something a bunch of things started kind of clicking and this was at the wild west of like content marketing and so People start sending you stuff and and concurrent, you know, I've just done my first Ironman and the site starts to grow even more. Um, and then media uh, PR agencies and in-house PR starts sending me gear. Now, the website, Iron Brandon, was um, Ironman and it's, re- it's commensurate sports. So is that or it's included sports, let's just say. So swimming stuff, biking stuff, running stuff, but also triathlon-specific stuff, like a right. triathlon hydration system or a multi-sport device or something sure. like that. Yeah, so they would start sending these things. And so I would. I, 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 there was never any... There's no... I mean, I guess you could say there's kind of an implied quid pro quo, but it's not... It can't right. be stated. Right. And I think Because I think the FTC regulates that it cannot be stated. True. Um unless you disclose that and then you're paid for it or what have you. And, and if you, if it's, if it's too quid pro quo, then it, it compromises your, uh, credibility on reviewing something like that. Right. People pick it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's fake, it's fake and people pick it up really quickly. Um, even people, people, even regardless of whether it's fake or not, people think they're picking up on it all the time. Trust me. I mean, that's where internet trolls come from. They're like (laughs) fake. So <laughs> anyway, Only if you beat them. exactly. So people were sending this stuff. And then I want to say I got, somebody sent me a pair of, um, hiking boots mm. and a tent or something. And I was like, huh, I can't shoehorn this into the website. <laughs> so I decided to spend, so this is in about 2010. So by this point, uh, Gears had around a quarter of a million page views a month and about 50,000 downloads a month. How and was so your was doing, um, uh, podcast? What were those numbers like? 50,000 downloads a month. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is in 2010. And so then I just kind of like, or 50,000, yeah, to 50,000 downloads a month because by this time I had a, like 150 episodes or something like that. Right. So there were, you know, a couple thousand yes, a show. Uh, well, I mean, your primary downloads are going to be on that 
most recent one, but then you're going to have these legacy sure. downloads, especially since I had interviewed people like Chris McDougall, like Caballo Blanco, like uh, Matty Reed and Craig Alexander and all these really very well-known uh, endurance athletes. And so um, I spun off Gearist because I was like, look, I can't shoehorn all these things. And my site, which was, it was, yes, I mean, it was a blog, but it was also really informative. I would put up uh, reviews of things, I would, but it would also blog about like one of my favorite uh, articles that I wrote was about, it's called Life in the Fast Lane. And it was about um, swimming etiquette, swimming pool etiquette more specifically. Mm. Um, and so it was more things like that. And so the more I started to get things sent to me to talk about, I was like, this is getting a little conflicty just in terms of real estate on the pages. I don't want it to just be, I want it to be able to maintain its own thing. And so I launched Gearist and there we go. Okay. So that's how Gearist started. <laughs> and it's still going to this day. It is. Now I should say, and and your listeners might have picked up when I said, I'm not going to plug that company that begins with an N ends mm -hmm. with an N is named after guy who stood on giant shoulders. That company, um, they hired me and I was very fortunate in 2000, June of 2011, I came mm -hmm. to Boulder. Um, I moved from Manhattan to Boulder. I stopped singing. Um, and when I came out that during that period of time, their legal department was, and in my, in my opinion, in most cases, unnecessarily concerned about conflict of interest things, mm -hmm. um, because you can't work for a running shoe company and review running shoes at the same time. Now, I would argue that it, even though, I mean, there's certainly a case to be made for that. And I wouldn't agree with that on all cases, but Gears has a team of people, including Eric, which contribute to the site. And so he's like, <laughs> yeah, where's that review, man? I'm supposed to have that today. <laughs> Remember that inside baseball I was telling you about? This is that. What? What? <laughs> so, so if, so what's to say, let's, I mean, let's use you for an example. What if I'm working for this company? I can't review shoes, whether they're ours or Brooks or Saucony or New Balance sure. or whatever. I say, Hey, Eric, I need you to, for as long as I work here, you are our, the guy that does our running shoes. We, we mm -hmm. try to do uh, both genders um, for, although not too spirited. Thank you, Justin Trudeau. We try to do people, <laughs> both people that are going to, uh, both men and women to review the shoe because be their bodies behave differently. Sure, sure. Um, and so we wanted to, uh, I could have done something like that, but the legal department and it just got, they didn't want it. And it got to be this thing where it was like, everything was a conflict of interest. I mean, even mm. if I was going to, let's say, review something from, uh, I don't know, Spider or Helly Hansen, right? Well, mm. Helly Hansen makes running shoes and hiking boots. And that's, that's a bad example, but Spider, right? This S-P-Y-D-E-R, the ski apparel company, which is really expensive stuff. Right. Spider makes nothing that we competed with, but apparel. Spider make, Sp exact, Spider makes something that a company that we would contract with, they compete in the same space on like socks or something. And I was like, right. you gotta be kidding. So it got to be this thing where it was just so few and far between. And then when I left Newton in 2013, I, I kicked Gearist back up several notches to where it is today to a large degree. Cool. And right about that time is when I met you. I, I think you I had, believe so. You had left um, Newton a few months before I met you. Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting story on that because I discovered Brandon on another show called the ginger runner. 
and he's a huge um, reviewing gearhead, uh, primarily shoes, but he's a comedic actor out of L.A. and has a, a very, very strong channel. And the interesting thing was I met or I listened to the episode with Brandon. I backed up and got a bunch of the Iron Brandon episodes, kind of listened to him and um, I don't remember how. I think I friended you on Facebook or mm, or Twitter something or something. Like yeah. And I think I posted a run, and then you wrote back. You were saying, "Are you in Hampton?" Well, because your your screen name was Hampton Runner. No, uh, I think not- it was on Ethan's the chat room on Ethan's show. And I, by the way, have known Ethan. I was on Ethan's show. I've known Ethan since like for years, since like two thousand. And um, I think you were in the chat room on Ethan's show, and your screen name was Hampton Runner. I was like, hey. You mean Hampton, Virginia? And sure enough, I didn't. You did mean Hampton, Virginia. Yeah, literally. And actually, yeah, come to think of it, when I listened to some of the earlier Iron Brandon episodes, you were shouting out Ethan, mm-hmm. who was writing in and asking questions. So I believe he was a fan of your show before he even started Ginger Runner. Yeah. And I mean, we were we were friends and my ex-wife was his sister's roommate in New York when they were just out of Manhattan school of music. Um, I mean, we go, we go way back, like way back. And so it was kind of a natural progression. It was really cool. Ethan, he's such a great guy. You know, I I will say, excuse me, you should edit that burp out. Good Lord. (laughs) Um, I will say that, you know, there, there are so many people, so many people um, and it's odd that it happens in this space really, but there's so many people that kind of get to a certain degree and like just pass you by. I mean, and I guess that's not exactly anything new, right. um, but Ethan is just such a genuine guy and it's really, um, he and his wife, Kim, uh, are just, just really uh, apart from anything else, you know, Ethan's a very talented content creator. Uh, he went, I believe to the Seattle school of art and design and, um, uh, and so knows his production backward and forward, just a really smart guy. But it's, it's more than that. You know, I feel like, like you're talking about Eric, we were talking about people being able to be seen through and be, and be seen as fake. Um, sure. And it's fake. And Ethan's not like that. You know, he, he and Kim are just such kind and genuine people. And so, yeah, I miss, I miss them. It's been a, we haven't, I guess, I guess I saw him in October, but it's been a while whenever he was here for his movie. Um, <clears throat> But, uh, yeah, he, they're just such good people and that, that makes it that much sweeter to see their success. You know, well, you're, you two are supposed to be, um, tackling Shamrock. Are we, do we say that? Yeah, you have a few times or it's come up that both of us are going to Shamrock. Right. That, uh, you and Ethan. Oh, well, hell, we gotta, I guess we got to do that. I, I will. I need to be able to run first. We can't really. I was in a recently in a car crash and that's all I can say about that. <laughs> okay. We'll discuss with the lawyers later. Exactly. Get clearance. <laughs> yeah. So how do you deal with them um, reviewing shoes right now? If you can't run. So, uh, well, number one, I do have some, a back catalog of some things that are, um, that I have enough miles on and I have outlines of reviews written. And so I just have to kind of get those done. But I also, we have a crew of people that are really great content, uh, contributors and Eric yourself among them. And typically speaking, Eric, if what happens is Eric is the guy that if we have something that's tech related, Eric's the guy who's going to handle that, uh, because Eric's brain is much larger than mine. 
That's why oh. his forehead. That's why his forehead is much larger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is older than you. You might catch up, buddy. <laughs> and and so I I Eric is uh, typically the person that's going to handle that because you know kind of that data driven sort of thing is in is in his wheelhouse more than it is mine. Now I am capable. And I do these things as well. But uh, when it comes to shoes, like to answer your question, um, Lori, a woman who uh, recently, well, I guess she was here in Denver for two years. Now they're back in Virginia. Um, in Chesapeake, her husband is in the Navy. She is our run category manager. So she is the one that goes out and we have category managers that are going to handle these things. So if there's a tech piece that comes across my email, I'll send it to Eric. Eric requests that piece of gear and we get it and, you know, handles it and we handle it that way. So with shoes, it's not unlike that. Lori is the person that goes and she'll talk to, she talked to Adidas yesterday, for instance. So she's talking to, and to be fair, I should be clear rather not fair. Adidas, Adidas, as opposed to Adidas Terex, because I don't know if you guys know this, but Adidas, which makes road shoes and apparel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and Yeezys, that is one company and then Adidas, what used to be called Adidas Outdoor, which also owns the brand name 510, which is climbing apparel and shoes and things like that. Um, Adidas Outdoor, now Adidas Terex, is a totally separate company. If you're in Germany, they're the same, right? Hmm. And they have a licensing agreement, so the branding is the same and the name is the same. But Adidas Terex is owned by a company called Agron. Um, and so anyway, she was on the phone with Adidas, the road running people yesterday. Okay. And so she goes, hey... I don't know what the conversation was exactly, but she's like, Hey, you know, we're trying to get you guys back into the rotation. Cause it's been a while. What can we do? And what's, you know, the latest and greatest, what can we look for here's And, and she basically manages that relationship. And then Lori will get those once it comes to the point where she's like, well, um, you know, we want to, we're going to try this, this, and this. And she will turn around and say, Hey, Eric, are you good to go with the shoe? Mm-hmm. Assuming okay. you don't have one that you've been sitting on for three months. And then she might well, send Eric. Three. <laughs> and then she'll send Eric a pair of shoes <laughs> that are, that have a time release. It's like the Inspector Gadget thing. Wait, no, it's, or or uh, Mission Impossible. It's Inspector Gadget too, right? This will explode if you don't um, destroy. Mission yeah. Impossible, mostly. I think. Oh come on, it's Inspector Gadget too, right? Come on. I don't know. Maybe it? they put it in. I. I it's got to be a cartoon. Anyway. Um, that's what you guys start doing with Eric's shoes. If you don't review this in this time, this is going to blow up. <laughs> See, this is why I invited Brandon on the podcast, because I figured that I would give him a nice opportunity to bust my balls in front of an entire audience that, and, and show that I am very forthcoming about my uh, shortfalls. Well, and let me just, I will say this, regardless, uh, and I'm not trying to blow smoke or sunshine up your skirt but eric does very i will speak to your audience now obviously eric does very quality reviews and if it were if it were less than that number one you just simply wouldn't get anything <laughs> it's as simple as that uh so it's it's kind of a no-brainer um and so uh that's what happens is Lori has our crew of reviewers which are herself i mean it's like a list of people that's probably we have up to like 10 people that we could um kind of give stuff to depending on like for instance we have um a reviewer in florida okay mm-hmm. florida is always friggin' hot so if it's the middle of winter let's say here and we need to get something kind of turned around quickly that's a warm weather product we will get it to him let's say it's shorts or whatever the thing may be cool that's where we uh get it if we have a uh for instance Lori um is actually doing a stand-up paddleboard now um 
And so, because she's in Virginia, she's near the water. Now, while I have lakes here and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, when we initially got that, it was a little too cold, and the likelihood is it's going to be colder here, even though Virginia this year is seeing this weird cold spring. Uh, but anyway, so she's handling that. So we have people in places where we can um, give things to the right person to review the right product. And in this case, since I am not permitted to run right this second, right. Um, I, I have some things that are coming to me that I will be reviewing. Uh, but those are shoes that, for instance, uh, Hoka, Hoka One One, if you don't also known as Hoka One One, which is. They went with it. They said you can go One One. <clears throat> yeah, I know. They did that a couple. I was talking to the founder. It's, but it's annoying because that's. Anyway. But they, they are sending, we're getting like three pairs of shoes from those guys, or three models of shoes. And so what we'll do is the first two go to Lori and then one to Sean and then to me. So we've got two people that are going to be able to do it. And then me, cause I'm not going to publish three Hoka reviews in a week. Right. So right. the, I ideally by the time it comes around for my shoe to be reviewed, I will be running again and we'll have enough miles on it to review it. Cool. Now that's, that's something that um, I think people would be very interested in because it seems like um, wonderful that you get brand new gear all the time. Mm-hmm. but isn't that a challenge that you have to get a certain number of miles in to legitimately review a shoe? Mm-hmm. And if you've got say 20 pairs of shoes backed up, you can only run so long before you break down. How do you deal? Well, number one, I'll, I'll go back to the way that we disseminate our gear. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got, let's say we've got seven or eight guys and we've got seven or eight girls and we will, get that stuff out there and spread the love around because of that very thing. I mean, um, one, a couple years ago, I reviewed 62 shoes, just me in one year. And this guy, one of these trolls that I was referring to earlier on the YouTube channel, he goes, why don't you just run? Cause what we try to do is we, we have a minimum of 35 miles in a shoe. Okay. And yeah. then if you go above that, it's just gravy. Typically I get around 40, but 35 is our minimum. And I'll kind of, I'll explain that in a second. But, and like, for instance, Lori just did the 910 V4 from New Balance and she put 155, excuse me, 155 plus a 50 K on that. So, you know, she put hmm. 30 extra miles on it. So 185, almost 200 miles on a shoe. And, uh, because she was using it for a race is really comfortable. She, mm-hmm. she really enjoyed it. And so, um, when it comes to reviewing, uh, oh, oh, so anyway, let me back up. So this commenter goes, why don't you just put 50 miles on the shoe? And I said, well, let me break this down for you. Home slice. I said, we got 60 pairs of shoes that I did. I did 62 that year. So 60 pairs of shoes that I reviewed just me. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and you want me to put 10 additional miles on each shoe. So that's 600 additional miles on each uh, uh, net. And I said, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know when you think I'm going to have time to do that. So th- that's kind of the challenge that we face with some of that stuff is that people are like, I oh, call BS and that's fine. Call BS all you want. I don't care. But when it comes to, we have Strava um, files. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> upload everything to Strava either. So, I mean, oh, that's okay. <laughs> it's not a very accurate thing. Um, so what, it, when it comes to like reviewing a shoe, I would guarantee you that all the big, shoe reviewers out there, whether it's runner's world or soul review or Ethan or Thomas or whoever mm. me, Lori, probably you, I would bet 
that the majority of us know 90% of what we need to know about the shoe within 10 minutes. I mean, yeah. we, and what it's going to come down to is the behavioral things, right? So the challenges that we face with being on only able, literally able, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not able to physically, it's able to time-wise to only run in a shoe for usually about 40 miles is that um, we can't really speak much to durability. So what we have to do right. is we have to look at something and extrapolate the data from what we see. So mm-hmm. if I look at a shoe and I know that this shoe has 50 miles on it or whatever it's got on it, and I see basically no breakdown, it's a little dirty, but I see mm-hmm. no breakdown. I see no foam crushing. I see the flex screws are holding up well and and what have you, the carbon rubber and blown rubber are holding up, or maybe the blown rubber is wearing out a little quicker, but the carbon rubber compound or whatever compound they're using is wearing a little quicker or slower, then, you know, we can speak to that. And we just kind of have to extrapolate our opinion based on durability around that. Um, so that's kind of where we go with that. And I, I do understand, and I fully acknowledge uh, the problems that people have with that. I really do. Um, but at the same time, I also, I, I, I don't care. No offense <laughs> to anybody. I mean, you know, you, we have to do what we have to do. Uh, to get those things in. And, you know, to be honest with you, what's going to happen is you keep reviewing things um, and then you, you're either your volume goes down mm-hmm. or you're running 20,000 miles a year. You know I mean? So that's kind of how we handle those things. And look, we also can't speak to anomalies. You know, this right. is the case with any product, you know, there are cars out there. I'm sure what's, let's say, uh, like the, there's this new Lexus SUV, which is super highly reviewed. It's super durable and very reliable, but yeah. I guarantee you there's a lemon out there somewhere. Oh, sure. And it just happens. And th- that one guy is going to be like, or girl is going to be like, this shoe sucks. You're full of crap. I wore this. Da, 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 da. You know, and it actually is true though. Um, Absolutely. One of the tricky things with shoes is. Aren't they subjective? I mean, the perfect shoe for me may suck to you genuinely. That's a good call. And, and so what we try to do, and you've, you've probably, I know that you've been a part of this, Eric, as well, because when you, uh, throw your reviews out there, you know, if I have a shoe and I go, look, the fit of this is, or the, the ride, let's say, and the ride of the shoe for those people that may be listening that aren't runners, when I say ride, largely I'm referring to the way that that shoe performs, how it feels in the ground. Like if I say it's a harsh ride, that means I'm feeling like every inch of the ground and every pebble is very princess in the pea type of situation okay. underfoot. And that might be harsh ride, but I like a lot of ground feel. So if I'm in the Solomon S lab sense, whatever ultra, the Killian Jornet shoe, and I get in that shoe, which is amazing, like really borderline harsh ground feel, mm-hmm. but it's meant to. It's also got their, um, oh, what is the profile film, which is a little bit of kind of a rock plate thing. And anyway, so if I, if I'm wearing the shoe and I like that much sensitivity, I try in my reviews to say, I really like this shoe. Uh, now keep in mind, I like harsh rides or, you know, Eric just took a sip of beer. You go, you know, if you're reviewing a beer, you go, I don't really like IPAs, so I'm trying to look past the really hoppy aspects of right. this to get to the flavor underneath. But you, but what what it's about is it's it's about being upfront with mm-hmm. your opinion and and letting people know that, like you said, opinions about shoes especially are subjective, and you have to you have to 
you have to be upfront about that and just be willing to take it on, you know? There's also a place for them too. Like um, the hard riding shoe, I found that the stiffer shoes tend to be faster. So I right. will want them in a 5K. You know, in a 5K, I'm probably going to have a barely there shoe because right. I want to have as much speed as possible. But if I'm doing a 20 mile long run on a Sunday, mm-hmm. well, a little bit of cushion may not be a terrible thing. I'm running a little bit of easier pace and I don't want to beat my feet up Agreed. too much. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because just to kind of talk about other gear that this is a similar thing. It's like you find people that are, people generally are going to have one focal point and maybe mm-hmm. several focal points. And so you have people, so let's say that are, that are hikers uh, or through hikers or, or like some really hardcore trekkers or backpackers. Mm-hmm. And, and you have then subcategories among those people that are going to be like their ultralight hiker. And when I say ultralight, I'm talking about people that are like measuring every single gram mm-hmm. or ounce and they're going, well, I have a, I have a sleeping bag. I can show you it's right over here. And because a down sleeping bag, just to give you guys a little bit of education on this, for those of you that may not know, the way that down works, whether it's down insulation or a synthetic down, like a, the blown poly, which is made by Prima Loft or what have you, uh, as soon as you compress it, it stops working. And the reason mm. that is the case is because down works, not because you're heating up or not because it's keeping you warm magically. What's happening is that if you think about down, so if you were to look under a microscope at feathers, they're all, it's kind of almost like you remember in the Christopher Reeves, um, Christopher Reeve, Reeve, uh, Superman movies, like the fortress of solitude, right? Mm-hmm. That super crystalline palace, right? It's got things everywhere and you're like, oh, there are all these nooks and crannies and tiny spaces. Mm-hmm. That's what feathers look like to a large degree. And mm-hmm. so when that keeps you warm, the way that that happens is your body, that 98.6 degrees or a little bit less of the surface of the skin is warming up the small spaces because you and I, Eric, could stand in this big ass room that I'm in right now, right? Or in your right. room that you're in right now. Mm-hmm. And together no matter how many jumping jacks we do, we're not going to warm the room that much, especially not quickly and especially not efficiently. However, if we were to both go sit in a coat closet, apart from being really awkward and uncomfortable, (laughs) (laughs) we would, we would easily raise the temperature because we're in a much smaller, more confined space. So what your body is doing is it is heating up all those little nooks and crannies. Okay. So by virtue of that, if you have a full-on zero-degree down sleeping bag that you're going to carry with you that's like 800 fill down, and believe me, I have one of these. I spent the night in negative six-degree temperatures in a hammock, which was not Ooh. fun. But um, what you're doing, as soon as you lay on that mm-hmm. sleeping bag, whether you lay on your back, your side, your face, whatever, you're compressing it. Uh, and as soon as you do that, you might as well just be laying on a sheet or in the ground. And you're going to lose, if you're not laying on a air, um, a sleeping pad or a cot or something, you're going to lose all your uh, heat to conduction. Okay. Um, so that's why you want that layer there. So this sleeping bag that I have, it it's kind of like, it's it's hard. It's more like a waffle cone. Okay. You know, a waffle okay. cone has that dip. Yeah. There's, there's a dip. Right. So what you've got is you got the sleeping bag, which has no back. 
There's hmm. no back to it. And you just lay it on top of yourself because you ideally will be in a sleeping pad. Because again, you need to keep something between you and the ground. Or you're going to lose body heat through conduction rather right. than when you're in a hammock, you're going to lose it through convection. Same thing on a cot. So if you lose that body heat, you know, you want to keep that barrier. So you've already got the sleeping pad. So what's the point of having an extra, I, I don't know, let's say an extra eight ounces of fabric plus down. What's, mm. what's the point of that? It, you're, you're, you're saving, you're adding weight for no reason. And so this sleeping bag is only this top part. That's where quilts like Rumple, are you in PL? I encourage you guys to check that out. Rumple, they do very well because they're camping blankets. Why do you mm. need something under you really? Um, and so that's part of the theory behind that. Um, and so my point being that you've got these guys and girls that are out there that are ultra light hikers and they sure. have a product. And so their lens is shifted. And so you kind of have to know that. So when you're reviewing a wide variety of products, mm-hmm. um, you have to be able to take your lens and you have to be able to incorporate what people are going to want to talk about and try to try to glean that information based on your audience, based on comments and likes and things like that and say, well, the, the, the majority of the people that are watching or listening or reading or what have you are of this ilk. And so I need to make sure that I at least address their concerns, but probably also these concerns over here, you know, Mm -hmm. because if somebody's really, like you're saying, if we're talking about a 5k shoe, and I go out and I'm like, well, this is a really hyper flexible shoe. A lot of people that are going to run a 5k aren't going to like that. They want, they want a nothing there shoe, but they also want kind of a rigid shank, which is going to really give a little bit of pop off the ground. And so when it's shoes, you have to be able to consider that when it's products like a sleeping bag or a hiking boot, I had this total douchebag on YouTube the other day. He left this comment. We reviewed this shoe. It's called the, it's a, by a company called Vask, V-A-S-Q-U-E. And it's a boot called the Ericsson and it's really beautiful leather. Okay. It's just really, it's a pretty shoe, but it's early as hell. And so we reviewed this, I reviewed this and this guy wrote in and it was just so much on a high horse. And he's like, what did you, what did you, you know, what, what do you think? You know, your Vask was great until they went to China and then they started sucking and da, 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 da. Uh. And I was like, I said, Oh, I'm sorry. And at first I'm pretty contrite because I want to try to see people's point of view. <laughs> I do. I really do. And then he's, I said, well, you know, I'm just, just to let you know, cause he was complaining about quality. And I said, well, have you actually hiked in this boot? He's like, no. And I was like, okay, well, Hmm. with my 100, roughly 100 miles in it, because it's a hiking boot that I put a lot of miles in. I said, with my roughly 100 miles, apart from a few scuffs, it did very, very well. And then his next comment was like, ha, when I used to review gear, I wouldn't even break in a pair of boots till 100 miles. I was like, and blocked. And I don't generally block people, but screw that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you also are probably thinking to yourself, well, if you're just breaking it in, you're not getting a lot of gear to review. Mm. That's a great point. You're <laughs> really? not. And and that's fine. I mean, maybe that's not his goal. Maybe I mean, he's a quality over quantity. I don't give a crap. I like to do both. I well, think that's that, the hard part of um, like doing the tech reviews like I do. They're extensive. Yeah. Yes. And it takes they a are. long time. They they really do. Um, I mean, I, I did a review. This is years ago. Uh, review of the Sunto T6. D I think T6 here T6 D and this that's is a watch ago. for the audience. Yeah. Sorry. That's a, that's a <laughs> watch, but the watch has a, um, 
has this heart rate monitor strap, right? That goes right under, uh, right across your chest, just under, under your nipples, I guess, wherever your heart Mm -hmm. rate monitor strap would go. But this one was kind of unique because it was called a memory belt and it by itself would remember your workouts. It was amazing. It was really cool because then it allowed you the ability to, um, it did it. So this was part of the problem with Sunto at the time at the time is you had to have all these different add-ons. So it had a GPS piece that you would have to use in conjunction uh, with it. And I was just basing it on time and heart rate. If you had the GPS piece, you would put it in there. I wasn't <clears throat> excuse me, using the GPS piece. So it was just heart rate data. But the point is, if you wanted to, let's say, go for a run and forget about looking at the data on your watch for a second, right. you could do that because the heart rate would, mem- would remember that. Anyway, my point is that I did so much training in that watch and I loved it. And I did this review that was crazy in depth and it does take a long time Mm -hmm. because, because there are things that you don't pick up on a shoe or a hiking boot or a snowshoe or a sleeping bed. There, there are things to me that are a lot quicker. Um, but, but with that said, at Gearist, one of our hallmarks is that we really do try to make accessible yet very detailed stuff. And we try to see those angles. So, yeah, that's the tricky part. There, there is a tech reviewer out there. I'd recommend to anyone. He's called DC Rainmaker. If you ever want a fully detailed review, that's better than the product manual. Look him up. And you're talking about like data tables and like, he reviews every single feature and component of a watch when it's on the market. They're very thorough very detailed. If you print them out, they're about 70 pages. And to be fair, he's also a systems engineer. I mean, that's his wheelhouse. That's right, his, right. But yeah. that's what my angle was, was to give enough detail that would give you some in-depth, but not the entire thing. So that's kind of a tricky balance. It is. I, I would very much agree with that. Um, but it's But it's also very fun. I mean, you get some really cool stuff to look at, you know? I mean, really cool stuff. If you're an outdoor nerd, I'm an outdoor nerd. I love it. But I'll also add that relative to our channel, we're working on some other things, some projects where uh, we want to give a little more, apart from just our opinion, we want to give a little more useful knowledge back. So I'll give you a for instance. We're working with a, uh, let's see, how would I, Put this an insulated bottle company. I don't think it's this one, but an insulated bottle company, let's just say mm-hmm. a beer company, a whiskey company, oh my. A, a camping furniture company. It's like very packable, like chairs and things like that. Oh, cool. Uh, um, and a backpack company. And this is all in one piece of content. And the way this is going to work is we're going to throw all this crap into a couple, a few bags. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to a, and it's kind of a few of us. We're going to go to a spot um, that we know that's in a national forest where we can do all this stuff. Um, we're going to pack the beer, the whiskey, the, all this stuff. And we're <laughs> going to go up there and we're going to make camp. And while we're doing it, we're number one. So this is going to be one video piece where you're going to see us packing up and going. So we're going to be able to say, hey, 
here's how you pack a boatload of alcohol into a backpack. <laughs> this is how you do that. <laughs> we're going to take it with us um, and we're going to get up there and then we're going to show you five ways to build a campfire. Okay. Oh, very cool. And, and that's going to be a separate video. And it'd be all the equipment that you have that may, may or may not be used to do so. Well, the, the equipment for that, we might use like a shovel or an ax or something like that. Actually okay. a couple of survival saws that we're working with. Um, but that's going to be another video, five ways to build a campfire and you'll see the products in there. And it's not like we're doing product placement. They'll just be there because mm-hmm. we'll be using them. But then while we're there, you'll see it. We're going to do five. Another video is going to be five. I, I'm saying five. I don't know if that's how many we're going to come up with. Sure, but sure. I think five outdoor cocktails that you can make with things in the woods. So you can go and find some natural sage. You can go mm. and find this. Mint we're going to give something. you exactly. We're going to give you ways to do this where you can go and find these things and make a cocktail using this whiskey brand, which shall remain nameless for right now. And then we're going to have a, some beers sitting around and you're going to see us opening beers around this campfire. Right. And then all the gear that you see is each, they're each going to get their own review as well. So one piece of content where we go out and we're out there for a day or two, just camping and what have you, one piece of content is going to generate cocktails that you can Mm -hmm. make and how to keep things cold and how to store food. That's another piece of that and how to build campfires and reviews for each of the products. So we've got close to 10 different content pieces from one outing. And so these are things that we're trying to do a little more of where, yes, our reviews are still very uh, central to the website. But yesterday I published an article or excuse me, a video, uh, which was kind of a pendant to an article that I did a couple of years ago on what do you do with mountain lion encounters? Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing a whole series on animal encounters. So I want to point out too, um, please. Brandon has done some really good work with um, cycling. Um, some of these by request, like how to change a flat. And Mm -hmm. I think you did one with a dollar, didn't you? Uh, I think that was a tip. Did I do? Yeah. I think, I I think that's in the same, uh, change a flat. And these are really, really useful things. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one of my favorites that is like our third most viewed video on YouTube. Well, our, our most viewed video is the basics of bicycle shifting, Mm -hmm. um, where I did make a mistake. Um, but I can't change it. Once you've got that many views, you can't change it. Um, I changed it in description and kind of put a disclaimer. Uh, but our third most viewed video was how to, if any of you are cyclists out there or not, uh, how to, if you, let's say you've got a Presta valve, which is a specific type of, uh, tire valve, which is not what you have on your car. Correct. It's, it's, but while that, the thing on your car is called a Schrader valve. So let's say you're riding around on your bike, you're in the middle of nowhere and all you've got access to is a Schrader pump uh-huh. and you need to use that on a Presta valve. We did this video about how you can take this little Presta valve cap and cut it in half and back, oh. screw that backward on the thing. And you, all of a sudden you've got a, an adapter to use with a regular Schrader valve. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So things like that. Uh, I love little tips like that, you know? Right. I wanted to point them out because those are awesome videos for people to definitely go see. Thank you. Appreciate that. So what is, um, that's what you're coming up with right now. Any other plans in the future or places you're going? You know, we, there, there's a lot that we would like to do. Um, <clears throat> I have a, a friend of mine who lives here, a guy named Mike. He does some work with us. Uh, he's a filmmaker, was in LA for 20 years 
uh, he's actually in LA right now filming uh, in a movie. So, hmm. I mean, Mike is a guy that's out here that we have all these ideas, but it's finding the time to do them. Um, and so I would really like to do a lot more, um, uh, kind of adventure centric content. So I want to get out there and I want, for instance, to be able to go to certain trails here in Colorado that I can talk about and basically mm-hmm. give a quick breakdown of that specific trail. Here's what this part looks like. Here's what this part looks like, but it was something that I think um, people aren't really familiar with is that those things all, uh, I, I think people miss the point. They're like, well, you know, you only did half of this trail. And I go, look, man, to make a five minute video about like the hall ranch trail, let's just say, which is a favorite of mine, mm-hmm. uh, takes probably four hours because I mean, the whole thing is a nine, the one section we would do is a nine mile loop and you've got to walk at least the whole thing. Cause you can't run it with a bunch of camera equipment. So you right. like, so you hike to a certain point, then we film a few things of running and then you, you know, and so, yeah, if it's just me, we can do a lot of those things. You know, I can carry cameras with me and, and what have you. But if we want to do it kind of on a different scale, it, it becomes a, a much different animal. And if we want to use drones, that's a different animal too, because you can't use that in national parks or mm. a lot of, of open space land. And I mean, there are examples of people getting tickets for filming in a national park when there was no one watching them. They just posted a video from, let's just say Rocky Mountain National Park and it's drone footage and the NPS National Park Service was like, hey, sucker, give us our money. Here's a ticket after the fact. Lovely. So so we want to be cognizant of that. We want to be respectful of, of laws and rules and wildlife, especially. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to do a lot more. I want to do a lot more kind of the uh, kind of a three pronged approach, right? The experiential stuff, the review stuff and the tips stuff. I want to, I want to continue to uh, evolve with those and develop those a lot more. So, and, and I like, you know, the gearist dailies that we did. Uh, so that's something that I should come back with. It's just kind of like vlog type of thing, you know, quick video mm-hmm. hits that aren't super long. Um, those are really great. And then when I did Ironman Chattanooga and, up until this car crash, I was going to be doing Ironman Boulder this June 10th, but I can no longer do that. I may be able to do it next year, depending. Um, I do like a diary the whole time, you know? And so we've, it's, you know, having, I, I want our YouTube channel to grow. It's doing very well, uh, but I would love, um, so, hey guys, <laughs> Eric, Eric's the unstructured audience. Please go subscribe. By the way, I should say how Gearist is spelled. It's G-E-A-R-I-S-T. That's correct. Like, yes. like scientist, but with gear. Ah, there you go. Yeah, and where else can people follow you if they want to look up? So Gearist.com, YouTube.com slash Gearist. Uh, if you just search Gearist on all the platforms, you're going to find uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I would caution you that on an Instagram, we have um, our real uh, Gearist name or my, I guess it's my account is slash gear or at Gearist uh-huh. that we do own at the Gearist. Okay. It, but it says on there, this is not the real one. Go over here, but people still follow it. Um, <laughs> and then on Twitter, and this is a confusing part. There's some like twelve year old asshat in Kuala Lumpur that has at Gearist on Twitter. So we have at the Gearist on Twitter. Okay, I thought there was a the Gearist somewhere. That's where I wanted to get to. Yeah, it's everything is slash Gearist except for Twitter, unfortunately. Well, cool. <laughs> Everybody, please go check Brandon out there, and I hope to have you back, man. 
I would love to come back. Thank you very much for having me. I feel like I spoke way too much. <laughs> That's the idea. I'm interviewing you. <laughs> Good. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take well, it. Thanks a lot, man. My pleasure. Anytime. Hey, everyone. Eric here. I want to thank you again so much for listening. I know your time is valuable, so I really appreciate you taking some. If you like what you hear, please spread the word. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Unstructured P, as in podcast. Also, you can review the podcast in whichever app you use. It really helps a bunch to spread the word. Thanks again.